Under NASA's Artemis program, Dynetics and Lidos will develop and build a new human landing system, advancing economic opportunities and paving the way for a sustained lunar economy. Learn more at DyneticsHLS.com. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> Okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl and afoul of the comatose coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Feels good, baby. I will be back here. I will be back here. I will be back in Welcome to the Fourth and Gold Podcast. We are back. It is week two. Let's get this loss and this this stain off our record and get back to one and one this week. I am more calm as calmer than I was on Sunday. Matt, what's going on, buddy? On to the Jets. On to the Jets. We're putting week one all God the way behind Jets. us. The goddamn Jets. We're putting the week one all the way behind us because that was not a good performance. Me and you have both since Watched you all 22. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. It's, uh, it's not great. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're paying attention right now to the Browns and Bengals. The Battle of Ohio looks like Odell's down at about the half-yard line. So it's not going to be a long touchdown for you. I apologize to your fantasy team. But joining us to talk about the Jets, uh, Scott Mason, Play Like a Jet podcast. Scott, come on in. How you doing, man? Hey, boys. Hey, listen, I know it was a rough one for you with the Arizona Cardinals on Sunday. Unexpected victory. For Cliff Kingsbury, Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, most of all. But I've got the remedy for you, and it comes in the form of Adam Gase and the New York Jets. So it should be a pretty <laughs> win for the 49ers this Sunday. Yeah, uh, Mike Greenberg eviscerated Adam Gase today. Uh, 33 touchdowns, 93 punts. What is going on in New York? Le'Veon Bell is on I, you know, EIR, I think it is. Makai Beckton's banged up. Jameson Crowder's banged up. What is going on with the Jets this year? What, what's the deal? Well, first of all, I really wish people wouldn't judge Jets fans based on anything Mike Greenberg says. Although in this case, he happens to have a point. But generally, I really wish that people would stop judging us on Mike Greenberg. But it's just a rough season. I mean, I think there are a couple of things in play here. The first is that... For what anybody wants to say about the Jets, what we all know is that this is really year one of a rebuild under Joe Douglas. And they don't really want to say that out loud to the fan base, but we all know that's what's going on. They made some moves in the offseason to acquire some younger players. Obviously, they traded Jamal Adams to the Seahawks. Sorry about that, guys. That's not going to help you guys out very much because Jamal's a great player for as much of a headache as he can be. But 
I think there's that. And then there's sort of the Adam Gase part of this and the Sam Darnold part of this, where you have Adam Gase, who has done a poor job of calling the offense, but more importantly, he seems to have done a really bad job of developing Darnold and even more so just being an overall manager. This was the biggest worry that I had when he was hired. I had spoken to Travis Wingfield, who now actually works for the Dolphins, and we talked, we went chapter and verse on my show about Gase. This is before he got hired. I did candidate profiles for each guy that was in line to potentially be hired by the Jets. And my joke was after talking to Travis and after asking around and really digging into it, I said, out of the eight guys that the Jets had interviewed, Gase was my ninth choice. So essentially, <laughs> of course, only the Jets would go ahead and make that higher. And the big problem to me was you heard all the stories about he was fighting with the owner. He was fighting with the players. There were all kinds of communications issues. I mean, there was one incident where Rashad Jones pulled himself out of a game and Gase didn't know about it until a reporter told him in the post-game presser, you're the head coach. You've got to know about things like that. The Jarvis Landry stuff, we know that Landry went into his office to make some suggestions. And Gase's response was essentially, do you think you know better than me how to do my job? get out of here and then he traded him to Cleveland so it was a bunch of that stuff and then Darnold comes into play here because he was sold Gase as the guy that was going to come in here and he was going to take Sam Darnold to the next level and we were sold by the owner on Peyton Manning spoke so highly of this guy which I still think the Jets absolutely embarrassed the Colts in 2002 handed Peyton Manning the worst loss of his career 41-0 in a playoff game at, at then Giant Stadium, that would be MetLife Stadium. I still think that Manning got his revenge all these years later by recommending Gase for the head coaching job. But <laughs> essentially, we were sold that he was going to be this guy that was going to take Darnold to the next level. And what we've seen from Darnold under Gase, and to be fair, he did have mono last year, so we don't know exactly how much that played into it later in the season. But he's been very up and down, and it's been the story of his career so far. 27 starts. He's had some brilliant games. He's had some terrible games like he had on Sunday against the Bills. He's had some okay games, but it's been a real roller coaster ride. And we're getting to the point now where if he continues to play anything close to the way he did on Sunday against the Bills, the worst nightmare scenario here is that Jets fans could be going into season four, not knowing if Darnold is the answer to their problems. And even more so, if the Jets are this bad, they could be in position to even theoretically consider either picking Trevor Lawrence or trading up because remember they do have that Seattle pick. So this is going to get really interesting really quickly. But for you guys, I know you're banged up. I know Jimmy G had a tough day. I know that Richard Sherman's out. I know that there's been a lot of issues here with the 49ers after week one. But like I said, the remedy for all of that is Adam Gase and the New York Jets because I think you guys are going to, as much as I hate saying this, I think you guys are going to win this one fairly comfortably. Yeah, so I'm glad you brought up Adam Gase and, and Sam Darnold because, I mean, really there's nowhere else to start with the New York Jets. But let's look at Adam Gase's previous quarterback that he had in Miami that everyone said was terrible, and he said he couldn't win with him. He could not win with Ryan Tannehill. He can't do it. Ryan Tannehill is the reason he didn't succeed in Miami. Then we see Ryan Tannehill get traded for peanuts to the Tennessee Titans. Marcus Mariota does Marcus Mariota things, can't stay healthy, can't, can't be productive. They put Tannehill in, and they make a surprise run to the AFC Championship game. Tannehill cashes in and looked pretty good in week one against the Denver Broncos. 
can Sam Darnold kind of turn his career around a little bit if they get rid of Adam Gase? And, and you know, at what point does Adam Gase come on the hot seat uh, if he already isn't on the hot seat? Because we saw he got the dreaded vote of confidence today from the owner. So is, is Adam Gase on the hot seat? And uh, do you think if Adam Gase is gone, Darnold can kind of start to come into his own? A little bit of a two-part question there for you. I'd say Gase should be on the hot seat. I don't think it's going to be anything that we can really look at as a real possibility until maybe midseason. And even then last year, I mean, to be fair, it was Gase's first year, but they were one in seven and they looked absolutely pathetic. And what we heard was, hey, one in seven, stay the course. I don't know if they're going to do that again a second season, but you got to remember the owner, Christopher Johnson, or I should say acting owner, because the real owner is his brother, Woody, who's overseas. Uh, with Donald Trump as the ambassador to England. And now, from what I understand, whether Trump wins or loses, Woody is coming back fairly soon. So he'll regain control. The question becomes, when he comes back, what happens? Because Christopher stuck his neck out on the line and really went to bat for this Gase hire. He was saying how Gase is coaching football to where it's going. He was the guy that was going to bring Darnold to the next level. He knows offense. He knows quarterbacks. The Jets are in good hands. And so... It's one of those situations where somebody who's really rich and really powerful may not want to admit that he was wrong and cut bait. So that's something that bears monitoring. But if they do get rid of him, could Darnold turn it around? Sure. Absolutely. Listen, I love this tape coming out of USC, and we've seen plenty of really good games from him. His rookie year, we saw him play excellent against Houston, against Green Bay. He played really well against Indianapolis last year. He played really well against the Giants, against the Raiders, against Washington. He played really well against the Dallas Cowboys. So you've seen it. It's just a matter of is he going to be able to do that consistently? And that's really the problem because you look at his mechanics and they seem to be a mess. He's still making a lot of silly mistakes. And the thing that really concerned me watching him on Sunday against the Bills was, listen, you could sit here and you could blame Adam Gase all day long. And look, I'm not a Gase fan, clearly, after what I've said. But at the same time, Adam Gase isn't the one that's missing wide open receivers. Adam Gase isn't the one that's skittish in the pocket. Adam Gase isn't the one who has an escape lane that the offensive line creates for him and doesn't take it or doesn't want to take it. So there's that worry now with Jets fans that, is this going to be a situation where maybe he's never going to be that guy that we were hoping he was going to be? I still think there's a chance, but with each game that goes by, you guys know this, it's very rare. One of the few exceptions to this was a guy you know very well, Alex Smith, because everybody had given up on him, and then finally Harbaugh came in, and they started to turn things around, but that doesn't happen very often. So it's going to be interesting to see. He absolutely has the talent. Listen, when he's on the run, he is one of the best in the league throwing on the run. He's outstanding. He makes incredible plays. He's got really uh, outstanding uh, uh, tools. He, When you watched him coming out of the draft, you could see the fact that he can make these incredible anticipation throws. The problem, of course, is that he has a little bit of cowboy-itis and he has to dial it back a little bit. But the question is, can he find a way to get back to what we thought he was going to be, what he looked like he was going to turn into those last couple games of his rookie year, rather than what we've seen now over the last bunch of weeks going back to last season where he kind of petered out at the end. It's it's really it's frustrating, and this is the worst part because I feel like as a Jets fan, we're better off if he's either really good and turns the corner or really bad and we know that it's over rather than 
he does what he's been doing, which is give you glimmers of hope. And then you sit there and you go, well, he's 23. Can we really give up on him? I don't know. We might be able to get it out of him. So it's going to be really fascinating to watch how that plays out. Yeah. I got buddies in the New York area who are Jets fans and they're, they're sold that, <clears throat> that Darnold could be, you know, a franchise quarterback. And I'm, I'm right there with you. You know, is it, is he what you saw at the beginning of his rookie year or towards the end of it? And then the in-between stuff you saw last season, you know, he had a game, I want to say they beat the Steelers. A rough game against the Ravens last year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, it, it's just so hit and miss. And I think a lot of it has to do with Adam Gase and they got to get him out of there. And I think, Eric Bieniemy should be the hire if he is available next season. I think that might be the guy to fix the Darnold and the Jets issue. Um, but I think we all know that the Gates thing isn't gonna, isn't working. What do you what do you think about this this rookie classic? Then is a large large human. Um, he was in, injured this week. Apparently, he had a knee issue, missed some practice. Um, what is the upside to, for him? And what do you think is you know how do you think he will handle this? 49ers pass rush with the rotation of Bosa, potentially D Ford, Eric Armstead, things like that. How do you think he's going to look there? Well, first, let me circle back real quick to what you were saying about the enemy. I'm the world's biggest brand Boyer fan. So that's who I want the Jets hire. Here's their special teams coach. The Jets okay. have been at the top of special teams for you know years and he's been outstanding. I wouldn't be necessarily sad if they hired the enemy, but I'm a big Brent Boyer guy above all else. But as far as what you were asking me with Mackay Becton, it's funny because I remember going back to around late December, early January, I had somebody hit me up and say, cause we were talking about offensive line prospects and already everybody was really talking about Werfs and Andrew Thomas said, have you looked at Makai Becton from Louisville? And I said, I don't watch Louisville. I don't, who's Makai Becton he said, take a look. So I said, all right, sure. I'll take a look. And I watched tape of him. And I remember texting one of the beat reporters that I know. And I said, have you seen Makai Becton? And he said the same thing I did. He goes, no, who watches Louisville? And I said, dude, check this guy out. He's like a human trash combat he's just taking these guys out i mean he was throwing guys 30 feet in the air i'd never seen anything like it in my life and now obviously go back and you watch and he was a little raw like with his hands and even with his foot movement a little bit but you could see it you could see already that he was a really good run blocker and pass blocking they didn't have a ton of true pass sets at louisville but you knew that if the right offensive line coach got a hold of him they could really mold him into something. And Joe Thomas, who I think we can all agree knows a thing or two about offensive line, has said that Mackay Becton with the right tutelage could become an all-time talent. And you saw a little bit of that on Sunday. It was one of the few bright spots for the Jets. Mackay Becton did lose on one play to Jerry Hughes. He got a sack, and then uh, they also called him for a penalty on it. But he was really impressive. I think he was – now, again, I don't want anybody to think PFF is the Bible, but – Uh, PFF had him, I think, as the 11th ranked tackle, which is pretty good for a guy making his very first start, especially somebody who everybody thought was going to be a bit of a work in progress. Now, I think it's going to be a struggle for him on Sunday against Bosa, and the reason is because Bosa's biggest strength is his technique. He's been born and bred for this. Him and his brother, Joey, you know, their father was a football player. So his technique is practically flawless. And one of the big things that you saw, or I shouldn't say I saw, but from talking to the reporters that were there and saw it with Becton was when he was losing on pass rush reps, he was losing the guys that were using moves that he wasn't used to dealing with because at Louisville, they didn't have a lot of true pass sets. So 
guys like Jordan Jenkins, guys like Frankie Louvu, these are not all-star caliber pass rushers, but they were able to use their their guile, their uh, experience to find ways to fool Becton and get past him. I think Bosa is going to be able to do a fair amount of that. Now, here's what I will say, and this is one of uh, the things that I was a little concerned about with Bosa coming out of school, but not enough that I wouldn't have said he's a top two or three guy in the draft. When he's up against somebody who has really long arms and strong technique, he's going to have some trouble. When you when he goes up against those top flight offensive tackles, he's going to have some trouble. Luckily for Bosa, there's very few of those, so he shines on most Sundays. But with Becton, the key here is not letting him get his hands on you because once he gets his hands on you, you're done. It's finished. It's over. There's nowhere to go. He's going to sh- either shove you out of the screen or you're basically wearing cement shoes, as we like to say here in New York. I would say that Bosa is going to try to use his hand movement and his experience with different pass rush moves and his flawless technique to get by Becton. I think he's probably going to a couple of times, but I will say that from my vantage point, uh, it'll be a good thing because it'll be a fantastic learning experience. If he doesn't get straight up destroyed by Bosa, if he can at least hang in there with him, that'll be a really nice thing for Jets fans to hang their hat on because like I was telling you guys, I think this is really in all actuality, you're one of the rebuilds. So we're looking at what can we see that will translate for years to come? Is Makai Becton going to be that guy that can be the franchise left tackle? Oh, I just saw that question. I'll get back to that in a second. Can Makai Becton be that franchise left tackle that, the Jets have been wanting since the Brickishaw Ferguson retired. And so Bosa will help answer that question for you guys though. I think Bosa will do fairly well on Sunday because Becton has had his issues with speed rushers. I don't think it's going to be as much of an issue. You mentioned D Ford. There are times where he can get bull rush, but I think essentially technique is the easiest way to beat him right now. I think that you're more likely to see Bosa beat him. I'm not saying Ford can't beat him because there were times where I think it was Frankie Louvu used a speed rush on him and got by him during training camp. So it can be done. But I think that Bosa is probably more likely. Although, you know, it's interesting. I wonder how the 49ers are going to mix and match here because you've got George Fant and you've got Becton and then you've got D Ford. And like you said, Armstead's on the line and they can mix and match the formations and Bosa. So I'm curious to see. But I do think that uh, Becton will have his troubles with Bosa, occasionally with Ford perhaps, but the Bosa-Becton matchup is going to be something because, knock on wood, we could be talking about these these guys five, ten years from now as elite players in the sport. In fact, with Bosa, we already are. Yeah, yeah we're going we're gonna to touch on one last offensive player uh, that I think all the 49ers fans really want to know what kind of impact he's going to have on Sunday, and then we'll switch over to the defense. The New York Jets, Le'Veon Bell landed himself on IR, the three-week IR, which, you know, they've changed the rules up for this year, which I think is ideal. I actually really love that rule change for, for IR and not shelving a guy for an entire year um, and allowing them to use the roster spot. But but Frank Gore, Frank Gore, Frank the Tank, the inconvenient truth, the guy, <laughs> Javi's got him in the background right there. He's got the jersey hanging up. He is a 49ers legend. We say that kind of loosely a lot, but that's not loosely said. He's a 49ers legend, Hall of Famer in our minds. Frank Gore, what can we expect to see from him on Sunday? It's interesting. I think a lot of it depends on what happens with the 49er offense because if the 49er offense gets out to a good start, you may not see a ton of Frank Gore because the Jets were trying to play catch-up all Sunday against the Bills, so they didn't rush a ton. If it's close, you may see a fair amount of Gore because Le'Veon Bell's out. 
LaMichael Pirine, their fourth round pick, is also out. They just signed Kalen Balage. Maybe he'll eat up a couple of carries, but I don't see him doing much. <laughs> Matt Canada's favorite player. Yeah, there you go. And then, of course, the the other guy that they have is Josh Adams, who actually had a decent rookie year in Philly. Was on the practice mm-hmm. squad most of the year for the Jets last year, and will be on the going back and forth between the practice squad and the active roster for the time being. So he'll be the primary backup behind Gore. I think Gore is interesting because he does seem to fit what Adam Gates likes to do, those inside zone runs. I'm curious to see how well the offensive line can can do blocking because they actually were fairly improved pass blocking last week. Now, keep in mind, you've got four new starters on that line. The only guy that's back is Alex Lewis, who's left guard. You've got Fant, who we talked about, Becton, who we talked about, Connor McGovern, who's pretty good at center, who they brought in mm-hmm. from Denver. And then the other new player is Greg Van Roten, the guard from Carolina. They didn't get much push at all in the run game last week. Now, again, they were behind, so it's not like they were running a ton, but they were having a lot of trouble. So even though they were holding up a little bit better in the passing game, run game was a different story. If they're not able to get open lanes for Gore, he's going to have a lot of the same issues, I think, that Bell does. Although he is a different type of running back than Bell because, you know, Bell is that patient guy. He's kind of like the Curtis Martin type. In fact, Curtis Martin was his idol growing up. So he does the thing where he waits behind the line, sees where the hole's going to develop, and then goes there. Bell's a little, uh, excuse me, Gore is a little bit more of the inside zone guy. So he might have a little bit more success. But if that old line can't block, then we know the Niners have a pretty good run defense and they should be able to handle it. But I, I do think that you're going to see a fair amount of carries from Gore unless, and this, of course, is a distinct possibility, the 49ers go up big fairly early. Yeah, I think the Niners have a chance to get up get big early. But my concern on defense is uh, the safety that's still there. Marcus May is a guy that I really, really, really liked uh, coming out of the draft. Um, he seems to be taking over the Jamal Adams role. What is what is going on with that, that secondary? I know you guys drafted the kid, um, Austin Davis, out of Cal. And then, of course, Marcus May is back there. So your safeties are actually pretty pretty good, in my, in my personal opinion. And then the corners... Pierre Desir, and uh, I forget who the other one is, but there's a lot of questions after that. Bradley McDougal came in that Jamal Adams trade. What does mm-hmm. the secondary look like to you, and how do you think that's going to play out this Sunday? The secondary is sort of interesting because, as you said, May, who was the center fielder when Adams was here, all of a sudden now is starting to take that Adams rollover. And when Greg Williams started to first use him that way in training camp, we thought, oh, he's just experimenting. He's playing around. He's going to see what he can do here. But when he came out last week and played like that, there you go. Marcus May is basically the new Adams. Now, I'm not saying he's as good as Jamal Adams. I'm saying he's going to be in that role now. And he played outstanding against Buffalo. In fact, I think there's a good chance if the Jets would have won, he might have won AFC Defensive Player of the Week. They're not going to give it to a guy who's on a losing team generally, but he played that well. He had two passes defense. He had two sacks. He forced a fumble. McDougal is a guy that you guys know fairly well from having to face him two times a year. Solid, steady. He's not going to make you worry, stay up till three in the morning, shivering or anything like that, but he's a nice, steady guy there. Ashton Davis is still a bit of a work in progress. They're working him in and and seeing what he has. And then with the corners, bless Austin, who was a sixth round pick out of Rutgers last year. It was weird. He had 
played like one game in two years because he had all these injuries. He came off injured reserve halfway through the year last year and had a fair amount of success. He had like six pretty decent games, but then in his last game against the Steelers, he was terrible and he got beat for a really bad touchdown. So Greg Williams pulled him and we never saw him again. But then in training camp, he did really well and ended up winning one of the starting corner jobs. The big question is across from Austin because Austin looked fairly good against the Bills, but Pierre Desir got absolutely annihilated. He got benched. They put in Nate Hairston, who I like, but Nate Hairston didn't do much better. So the question is going to become, what happens if Desir struggles again? Do they go to Hairston? Do they even maybe try somebody like Quincy Wilson, who they brought in from Indianapolis? Because I think with the 49ers, it's interesting. They're so banged up at wide receiver that maybe the Jets can find a way, Greg Williams can find a way to scheme around his weakness there corner. But if the 49ers can find a way to really go at whoever that other corner is, whether it's this year or Hairston, they should be able to have some pretty good success, especially if Trent Williams is straight up murdering guys on the football field like he did last week. In- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jordan Hicks, uh, I think, is still in a full body cast from that yeah. hit. Um uh, but let's look at the, the biggest weakness last week against the Arizona Cardinals for the San Francisco 49ers was their interior offensive line. Uh, mm-hmm. Starting center, Weston Richburg, open season on the pop. Uh, backup, backup center, Ben Garland, was unable to go. He's since practiced, but he's still not 100% sure thing to play on Sunday. How would the Jets defensive line match up with kind of a banged up O-line? And obviously, you got Trent Williams on the left side. It's not letting anybody by and we know Mike McGlinchey is an elite run blocking right tackle but not a great pass blocking tackle you know where do you think Greg Williams attacks the 49ers offensive line well I do think you'll see Marcus May deployed the way that he was last week you'll see him come in on some free blitzes and and he'll disguise him a little bit I think Jordan Jenkins will probably try and go at McGlinchey a little bit and see what he can get done there they may mix and match a little bit with Frankie Louvu and perhaps even uh, a couple of other guys out on the outside. But I think predominantly, like you said, the interior line is interesting because the Jets drafted Quentin Williams with the number three overall pick in the draft last year. Now, I was thrilled with that. I thought Quentin Williams was the best player in the country. I thought it was either him or Bosa. What I was saying was, oh, good. I'm glad I'm not alone. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but to me, see, you guys probably saw it the same way. I thought at the time, I was like, look, easy decision for the Jets. If the Niners take Bosa, you take Quentin. If they take Quentin, right. you take Bosa. Easiest decision you're ever going to have. You don't trade down. It's right there for you. But Quentin was a little disappointing last year. There are a variety of reasons. I think part of it is that because there are no... There were no healthy inside linebackers. I mean, Burgess and Hewitt were playing last year, and those are replacement level players because CJ Mosley got hurt very early. Avery Williamson got hurt in the preseason. So their two starters were out. Greg Williams was using Quentin Williams to stunt and two gap a lot last year and take up blockers. So he wasn't deploying him at that much as an attacker. He he slimmed down, he got really lean, he's super quick, and he looked great in training camp. But week one against the Bills, he struggled. And the question this year for Quentin Williams, much like we said with Sam Darnold, is, is he going to be able to take that leap? Because a lot of Jets fans are tired of the interior defensive line guys because for years the Jets took interior defensive line guys in the first round. You had Muhammad Wilkerson. You had Sheldon Richardson. You had Quentin Copels. You had uh, Leonard Williams. And then now Quentin Williams. 
And so people are saying, well, Leonard Williams was a good player, but he wasn't anything amazing. Is he just going to end up being another Leonard Williams? And and this is where somebody like Quinnen has to shine. Uh, another guy that they have on the defensive line who was really good down the stretch, he was actually suspended for part of last year for uh, uh, steroid use. I believe it was steroid use, but performance enhancer or whatever it is. I don't want to get you guys sued. <laughs> it was, uh, but... Uh, um, you had a. Uh, um, I'm, I'm drawing a blank now. Why am I, Nathan Shepard? So Nathan Shepard, yeah, he was really good down the stretch last year. He didn't do as much as we were hoping in week one, but again, just one game. But he was exciting as a pass rusher on the interior. Got some really good run cloggers too. Steve McClendon's been around forever, a mainstay with the Steelers. He's been really good with the Jets. Kyle Phillips, who was an undrafted free agent last year, has been really, really good. And then Foley Fadakasi, who is a sixth-round pick, he was also an excellent run stuffer last year. So you have a nice group there on the defensive line. They've got to take advantage of, like you said, that that hole in the interior. If the 49ers can find a way to scheme to stop guys like Quinn and Williams from getting one-on-ones, they might be able to be okay. But it is going to be interesting because the Jets do have a pretty good group, and Quinn and Williams has been looking. We've all been waiting for him to break out. Even if the Jets lose this game, if we can get a breakout out of Quinn and Williams, it would be a really nice consolation prize. Yeah, that, that defensive line looks looks like it could be a little bit of an issue. Um, the 49ers are also very familiar with Greg Williams. Uh, there might have been something that happened between him when he was defensive coordinator for the Saints. I don't know. There's something about kill the head. I I can't remember how it went down. I just remember the 49ers. I just remember the 49ers won that game. So I, I, everything else is a blur. But uh, you know, how do you think Greg Williams matches up against Kyle Shanahan? As you know, one of the premier offensive minds in football, unlike Adam Gase. <laughs> That's putting it mildly. Yeah, I think there was something about Dog the Bounty Hunter, right? Something like that with Greg Williams. Yeah, something, yeah, something like that. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it's going to be an interesting matchup. I mean, Greg Williams had some trouble last week with Buffalo. The big problem was that Josh Allen, we all know what he's going to do. He's not exactly a pocket guy, so you know he's going to try and get out and make plays with his legs, and the Jets just couldn't stop him, which was really frustrating because everybody and their mother knew what they were going to do, and the Bills just had their way. Uh, There was one play where Josh Allen had like 12 seconds to throw, and he still missed the wide-open receiver in the end zone, so that just goes to show you sometimes... Yeah, well, listen, he's the best running back in the the AFC East. Uh, Sometimes... (laughs) When you game plan around his weaknesses, you can get really good production out of him. But I think with Williams, what he's going to have to try to do is look at what the 49ers' weaknesses are. And right now, obviously, they're very thin at wide receiver. As you said, interior offensive line is a bit of an issue. Trent Williams is somebody that they're not really going to be able to get past. So see if you can scheme around that part of it. And then also, he's going to have to try and disguise some blitzers. I think you will you will see plenty of Marcus May. With Shanahan, I think it'll be interesting because we know that even when the receivers are healthy, the best receiver the 49ers have is their tight end, Kittle. Yep. But we saw last week with Mostert, who, from what I was reading, when he had that 79-yard touchdown grab, they said he was running 23 miles an hour, which was the fastest 
anybody's run as a ball carrier in the NFL in three years. So I expect a lot of that. The Jets have had a lot of trouble with that, as I said, with Allen even running around. I expect a lot of Mostert, which would make a ton of sense considering all the injuries and Kittle himself being banged up. So I think that that'll be a nice little chess match between those two guys. But Williams is somebody who's very well respected with good reason. He did a great job with the Jets last year. And Shanahan, I think most people would agree, is a top five offensive mind in the league right now. And that'll be one to watch. Unfortunately, I think Shanahan just has better personnel overall on the team because Greg Williams can't control the offense. So I think it'll this matchup goes Shanahan's way, but it, it'll be interesting to watch two guys who are really good at what they do go head to head. Yeah. I think, <clears throat> I think the biggest mismatch in this game is the 49ers backs versus the jets linebacking core um, yeah. with no Mosley. And I'm, I'm not, I don't even know who the linebackers are for the jets anymore. Um, <laughs> Join the what, club. And that's not, I'm not trying to take a dig at the jets. I just don't, I don't know who these guys are. Um, I know the one kid is on IR now. And we saw Isaiah Simmons get beat for that 76-yard touchdown because of that Texas route that Kyle Shanahan dialed up um, for Mostert out of the backfield. That can, I can see that a lot of that happening. Are these linebackers good in coverage? Are they better versus the run? What is your opinion on how they're going to try to stop this run game and also the stuff over the middle that – Jimmy Garoppolo actually, you know, he thrives in the middle of the field. What do they? What? What do you think the plan is there with the linebackers? Yeah, the linebackers are not really very good in coverage. Everybody bags on C.J. Mosley, but C.J. Mosley is a lot better in coverage than people realize. And mm-hmm. him not being there is a big problem. Avery Williamson is better as a run defender. He's okay in pass coverage, but the problem is he missed last week. We think he's going to play this week, but remember, he missed all of last year with a knee injury, so nobody knows exactly what to expect out of him. This, If he plays, this would be his first game back in over a year. And then you have guys like Neville Hewitt. Neville Hewitt's an okay replacement-level player, but he's not somebody that you really want in coverage on anybody. What the Jets may try, and I don't know that this is going to work on Raheem Mostert because of how fast he is, but... The Jets did use Kyle Phillips, who's a 270-pound defensive lineman, to cover some wheel routes in training camp, and he actually did pretty well with it, shockingly. Unfortunately, I think it's a little bit different when you're guarding somebody like LaMichael Pirine, who's a solid running back, but he's not... Under NASA's Artemis program, Dynetics and Lidos will develop and build a new human landing system, advancing economic opportunities and paving the way for a sustained lunar economy. Learn more at DyneticsHLS.com. Under NASA's Artemis program, Dynetics and Lidos will develop and build a new human landing system, advancing economic opportunities and paving the way for a sustained lunar economy. Learn more at DyneticsHLS.com. Mostert, when it comes to speed, I find it very difficult to believe any defensive lineman is going to be able to stay with Raheem Mostert. So I think Williams will have to adjust on the fly and see what's going to work there. But yeah, I mean, over the middle will probably be a problem because those inside linebackers are not great in coverage and they will definitely exploit that running back mismatch if they use uh, Mostert as a receiver out of the backfield because the, the Jets are not the speediest team in the world and they've shown that they have trouble with guys like that and I have no doubt that they're going to do everything they can to try and contain him. But, you know, you can't teach speed, as they say. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. 
Yeah, Scott. Hey, this has been very, very, very informative for us because we don't get to see the Jets very often. You know, it's once every four years on our end. So, so thank you so much for joining us and breaking this down because you're, you're, I, I learned a lot from yeah. from from hearing you talk, and, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners and, and viewers will too. So, before we let you go, we do it to all our guests. We got to drag a prediction out of you. So, so, so tell us what you think the final score is going to be on Sunday. Well, first, your your listeners might get a kick out of this. So I was on a Bills podcast last week, and the guys who host it made a friendly bet with me. They said the spread was seven, but we'll give you 10. And it wasn't a money bet. It was a shame bet. So it's something that if you lost, you had to do something you really didn't want to do. So in their case, they were going to drink Seagram's. In my case, <laughs> as a New Yorker and a proud pizza guy, I would have had to eat Domino's. So oh, thank terrible. you. Yeah, exactly. So oh. thank you, Jamison Crowder bailed me out because he got that ridiculous 69-yard touchdown. So they, they ended up pushing because they lost by 10. So I did not have to eat Domino's. So thank you, Jamison Crowder, for that. But as far <laughs> as prediction for this, what I said with the Bills was I thought there was a 50-50 shot. The Jets might cover the spread. I didn't think they would win. They didn't cover the spread, and they didn't win, obviously. And quite frankly – even though they lost by 10, they really should have lost by a lot more than that. I think that the 49ers should win fairly comfortably. I would say, man, just based on what I watched last week, I'm going to say something like 24 to 10 49ers, I'll say is, is a fair guess at the, the, uh, the end result. I think that the defense is going to do a good job of frustrating Darnold, particularly. I think Bosa will, be able to get into the backfield and, and mess with Darnold. And I think that they'll do enough to throw off the defensive backs and use Mostert too against those linebackers. And they'll score enough, enough points that even though they have plenty of players that are missing on the offensive side of the ball, they should be able to win fairly comfortably. They're just a much better team, even with the injuries. So yeah, 24, 10 sounds about right to me. Hey, you know, we'll take that. We'll take that because we had Cameron Cox on last week for the Arizona Cardinals. and He picked the Cardinals to win. So right now our guests are 1-0. So we're <laughs> hoping they're going to be 2-0 moving forward. Uh, uh, Scott, you know, shout, shout yourself out. Let people know where they can find you, find your podcast, and find all your work. Sure. So if you want to listen to a man slowly lose his mind, you can listen to <laughs> Play Like a Jet. It's a daily Jets podcast. Seven days a week, God help me. Even in the offseason, we do seven days a week. I haven't missed the show in like, what is it, two, two and a half years, whatever it is, Jeez. since we started going daily because we started weekly and then eventually we built up to a daily show. We've got a ton of great stuff. And if you want to hear all about the Jets leading up to this matchup, even more than what I just talked about, we're going to go over the film with my friend Joe Blewett, who does great film reviews. We go over the analytics with my friend Michael Nania, who does great analytics work and was actually recently profiled in the New York Daily News. You get all the latest news on the Jets. I have Manish Mehta from the New York Daily News on in the middle of the week to go through all of the news. We preview the game with somebody from the 49ers side of the ledger. And then, of course, on game day, what I like to do is right around midnight on game day, we release a quick preview, and then we do mailbag questions and gambling and fantasy tips. And my thought is, fellas, that if the game is bad or you're not super interested in the keys to the game, 
you could still hear some fun mailbag answers and you can still get some gambling and fantasy tips and maybe make a few bucks. So even if the Jets are bad and you're like, ah, I don't really care that much about the keys to the game, uh, listen to 10 minutes of keys to the game and then you get some mailbag questions and fantasy and, uh, and gambling tips. So seven days a week, play like a Jet. It's anywhere where you can find podcasts. And then also you can, oh, thank you to Tommy Garrett, by the way. You are right. <laughs> Being a Jets fan and doing a daily podcast takes a ton of dedication, believe me. But you can find me on Twitter, Play Like a Jet One, and you can find the podcast anywhere where you can download podcasts Apple, Google, Stitcher, whatever other apps that you like to use. So, guys, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. I hope you guys will come on my podcast at some point and that we can do this again soon. Because, listen, even if the Jets and 49ers don't play each other, I'm sure there's going to be situations where maybe somebody from the Jets signs with the 49ers in the offseason or vice versa. So we can do some yeah. crossovers. But I really appreciate the invite. It was a blast. And thank you so much for having me on. We appreciate you coming on, man. On short notice, too. We appreciate it very, very much. And uh, everyone out there, go ahead and follow Scott Mason. Check out all his work out there. Uh, we're going to get to our 49er keys to the game. Um, and we'll do that here in just a few seconds. Um, Matt, this week is going to be a get-right game, um, by all accounts. By It's the Jets. You heard him, Scott. You know, he said he's he's losing his mind. And... It's a tough spot for him or a tough spot for the Jets. What do you, you know, we saw all the all 22 come out today. You know, I watched Ugh. it. I text you. I watched it. Mm-hmm. I text the group chat. Um, <laughs> and everyone has their opinions on this, on this, this past week's game. Where are you now? A couple of days removed from Sunday's game. I'm going to chalk a lot of it up to rust. I'm going to chalk it up to first snaps of the year and not be able to get to your progressions while watching them do it against their own defense and their own, you get, you get into kind of a, a comfort zone when you go against the same guys at practice every, 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 every day, right. Over and over and over again. So mm-hmm. I, I, I'm going to chalk a lot of it up to rust. We, we did see Jimmy Garoppolo last year, look very, very rusty in his first start, uh, both in Denver when he looked absolutely putrid and everyone was ready to, to cut him on the spot in the preseason. And then again, in Tampa Bay, he didn't look particularly sharp either. He made a couple throws that saved him. And then, you know, Jameis Winston is markedly worse than Kyler Murray. And that's what happened was Jameis Winston made more mistakes than Jimmy Garoppolo did. And that's how the 49ers escaped to the win in week one. So I, I'm going to reserve judgment on Jimmy Garoppolo entirely until we see these next two games. I think these next two games are the big telling ones. If he struggles against the Jets and he struggles against the Giants, there's a bigger issue here. If he can't get right, because like I said, get right games, right? These two back-to-back games in JetBlue Stadium or whatever it's called, the Met Meadowlands, Life. MetLife, there you go. It should be JetBlue. I don't know why they didn't do that. Um, in in MetLife cool. Stadium, right? JetBlue, it works. Yeah. Uh, in MetLife Stadium, he's got back-to-back games. They're probably going to stay in West Virginia uh, over the week, so they're not doing a whole lot of travel. It's <clears throat> it's get right games. And they got the right of the, they got the, 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 the correct of the two New York teams first because you definitely want to see the Jets first before you see the Giants in there. Somewhat potent offense that we saw in Monday Night Football, but I'm going to reserve judgment on Jimmy until I see these next two games because I think they're going to be very, very telling for how this 49er season is going to go. Yeah, so so since Sunday's game, Richard Sherman is on IR and Akella Witherspoon is being called into action. Uh, yep. Last time we, called, we saw Akella Witherspoon uh, was the Minnesota playoff game where he Got beat by um, Diggs. Well, not, I wouldn't mm-hmm. say beat. He misplayed a ball and they scored. And then he was immediately right. pulled after that. 
Has Akella Weatherspoon overcome his confidence issues? We will find out. Speaking to some folks, Akello may have been the best corner in camp. We'll see. This is time. This is this is the time to show it with not so great talent for the Jets. Um, the Giants have two receivers, Golden Tate and Darius Slayton. Those guys and Sterling Shepard is still there, so they have they have some yep. guys in New York. So that's a little bit more of a test. Um, so I don't know what the Jets are going to roll out there. Chris Hogan and those guys don't really scare me. You heard Scott. You know the the depth is is pretty pretty bad right now. Uh, for the Jets wide receivers. So, you know, no Sherman for three weeks. We won't see Sherman until week five against Miami. So uh, it's uh, it's pretty nuts what's going on with the 49ers on these in the, the injury side. Today, D. Ford missed practice with a neck issue. It seemed like everything is starting to pile up. Good news mm-hmm. is Brandon Ayuk is back at practice. Ben Garland yep. is back at practice. Yep. So we should hopefully see a more, an offense that moves the ball in the air. I hope so. out in the, on the field God, uh, so. watching the all 22 you know i gave dante pettis a lot of flack but he was getting open there mm-hmm. is a, likely a disconnect there with jimmy garoppolo and dante mm-hmm. pettis um hopefully they can f- correct whatever that issue is because dante is making guys fall in the end zone and see the dirt because he's his routes are so filthy so we shall see what's going on there where are you at with akella witherspoon are you excited to see him out there are you Worried about it? What's going on? Yes, <laughs> both. Yes, I'm excited. And I'm, I'm excited and I'm worried because because we've seen some super high highs from Akella Witherspoon. We saw we saw the pick six against James Winston. We kind of fell into his lap. Um, uh, his rookie year against the Eagles when the 49ers were getting absolutely waxed. We saw him pick off Carson Wentz. But then of course we've seen him not get his head around on the ball, misplay some things, and give up big touchdowns. We saw we've seen it in Seattle. We saw like like you said in Minnesota. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't know what we're going to get. And I, I, I think the 49ers need to know. The 49ers need to know there's no corners under contract for next year. Emmanuel Mosley is the closest because he's an exclusive rights free agent, which means he's going to be back. They, unless the 49ers just outright don't want him, he's going to be back. Sherman's under contract. K1's under contract. Akello's a free agent. I mean, you're looking at guys that are just, they need to find out what they have. They need to find out what they have. And, and, and the only way to do that is to get these guys on the field. So it, it, it's it's unfortunate that Richard Sherman is missing three games. But if you could handpick three games in a row that you want Richard Sherman to miss, it's the it's the Jets, Giants, and Eagles. Those are the three yeah. games on this where I'm like, this is the one little stretch where I'm very comfortable with him being out. Because if he has to be out and he has to miss three, these are the ones that, that it should be. Uh, Jameson Crowder banged up for the Jets, too. Scott mentioned that a little bit, so we're not sure if we're going to even see him. And he was pretty much the only source of offense for them last year against or last week against Buffalo. So, man, I, I'm excited to see Akello, and it's just he needs to out of his own head because, like you said, we've heard from some folks that, that that believe he was the best one at camp, and then there's some people that believe that Mosley was the best one at camp. Believe Sherman was, but it, it's differing opinions. But it, it, he clearly impressed at least a couple people. So, we'll see if he can do it on the field. Yeah, I mean, we we talked about Akello at length. We both like him. We both think he is, you know, a guy with has all the talent in the world. Just sometimes there might be some confidence issues there. So hopefully he brings it on Sunday. Um, let's get into Jimmy Garoppolo. He, the, the tape didn't look very good. You know, I know that the, the box score for some folks is enough, but when you watch the tape, there's a lot of indecisiveness. Kyle Shanahan spoke of that. Jimmy Garoppolo spoke of that. There's just a lot of, Context clues that say, you know, Jimmy either doesn't trust himself or doesn't trust his receivers. And that's got to be corrected. Again, this is a perfect time to do so. The Jets aren't very good. 
Giants defensively aren't very good. The Eagles, there's a report today from our guys at PFN, Tony Pauline, that Doug Peterson may be on the outside looking in very soon. So there's a lot of questions going on in Philadelphia. This is the stretch to do that, and I am here for it. I'm all about, you know, the Niners getting back on track, you know, and Jimmy Garoppolo is the Niners franchise quarterback for now, and he has to show it. And this is this is a big part of the season to do that, you know, get right, play these, you know, below average team. You have the better roster all the way around in the next three weeks. You should win handedly um, against the Jets and the Giants. Where are you on Jimmy after watching the tape? Uh, well, like we heard you talk about on the butcher shop with Joe Shasky and, and Ryan Covey, that you know, thank God Ben Garland is back. That's the, that's where we're at with yeah. this with this team right now. Is thank God Ben Garland is back because I think he's going to be the biggest addition to this team. I, I love getting Brandon Ayuk and, and getting a first chance to get to you know to see him on the field and see, him, see what he can do. But Ben Garland is like he's not great. He's a replacement level player, but he's just so much better than Grasso is that it's it's. It, it, it's going to be a huge step up for them. And I think if Jimmy has more confident, confidence in his offensive line and he doesn't feel like he needs to keep his eyes down looking at the defenders coming at him, I think he's going to be a little bit better. When we see, uh, I almost said Greg Kittle because they're playing a New York team and I got Francesca on the head. Um, you know, when we see George Kittle, I don't know. He's not going to practice all week. I would prefer to have him sit this game. Let's see what Jordan Reed and, and Ross Twelly can do. Um, I need you know you never want George Kill to sit, but it, I don't want anything to happen long term for him. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo, man, <laughs> again, it's, it's it's like a Kello, right? We're gonna find out what they have, and if he can't mm-hmm. get it going these next couple of games, it's it, what what are they gonna do at quarterback? Because this is too good of a roster to just piss it away because a quarterback can't figure out his issues. Yeah, for sure. And then um, other news for the 49ers, Muhammad Sanu signed. He yeah. hasn't practiced. Mm-hmm. He's in all the Zoom meetings, but he is uh, available to the 49ers tomorrow as long as he passed all his COVID tests to practice. So tomorrow is usually a walkthrough. It's Friday. They'll likely board the plane Friday, get in New York Saturday, obviously play the game. And then they are going to stay in West Virginia for that week. Raheem Mostert is going to make the trip to Ohio for the birth of his second child. Congratulations mm-hmm. to him. Mm-hmm. Hey, boys, good luck to you, buddy. I have too. <laughs> um, uh, but the... Mohamed Sanu brings a veteran leadership voice in the locker room. Mohamed mm-hmm. Sanu brings some very sure hands. Mohamed Sanu brings familiarity to this offense and hopefully someone that Jimmy Garoppolo can trust. You know, the thing with Jimmy Garoppolo that bugs me with the wide receivers is you can go through two practices with Emmanuel Sanders and start, mm-hmm. swing, you know, throwing the ball to him all over God's creation when he arrives, but you won't throw it to your own guys that are there, Pettis and KB and things like that. So that's concerning to me, and I, I don't know what, what the deal is there. So hopefully Sanu can come in and, and get some targets, you know, four or five mm-hmm. catches, move the chains, keep the offense on the field, let this defense rest. I did some research. It seems like that 49ers defense breaking point is like 60 to 62 snaps mm-hmm. on defense. So keep the snap count down for the defense. Let them eat. Let them go after Sam Darnold, who can move around a little bit, but he's not Kyler Murray. He's not going to run for 100 yards and uh, burn you after you, you know, gotten behind him in the pass rush. Um, Mohamed Sanu, does that do anything for you? Excite yeah, it excites you at all? Yeah, it does. It does. It does. And, it's, and it speaks to the injuries and the lack of depth at that position right now because I don't think he's Emmanuel Sanders. I don't think he's as good as Emmanuel Sanders was. Uh, the Patriots let him go because he was he was very expensive and he wasn't playing super well for them. But again, this is familiarity with Shanahan's offense. And I think that's the biggest key to this 
is he's going to come in and he may not practice. So him and Jimmy may not get a whole lot of reps together, but I think he route, he, his route running is very, very good. And if he can get open, I think Jimmy Garoppolo, just because he is a veteran, might just trust him. Uh, we saw the, you know, we saw the second Arizona game. We saw the best throw I think we saw from Jimmy all season long when Emmanuel Sanders was breaking out to the left towards the sideline. And, and Jimmy threw the ball before he was even breaking. And it was beautiful. He dropped it right in a bucket. It was a beautiful pass. It's my favorite one he threw all year. And, you know, I think, I think if he can have that kind of trust in a veteran like Sanu, we don't see a ton of production from him. Maybe we see Sanu be what Emmanuel Sanders was last year. Emmanuel Sanders kickstarted the offense in most games. They just got the ball moving a little bit, and then your then your younger guys kind of started to step up and and and, and move the ball down the field. Um, but going back to you're talking about, he won't throw to, to Dante Pettis or or Kendrick Bourne when they get open, or Trent Taylor, whoever's open on on after we watch the All Twenty Two. But a lot of those throws are stuff we saw him throw to Debo Samuel. Yeah. I think this is all waiting for Debo to get back. I think when Debo gets back, this offense is really going to take off because Jimmy trusts Debo and like, he just trusts him. He trusts him and, and he he wants to move the ball down the field. And Debo just gives you those. There's so many options to do it. I'm hoping Ayuk can be that same kind of player where he just, just get him the ball in space and let him create because it, it, as good as route running Dante Pettis is, it, it's good at, it, at catching third downs and, and, and touchdowns KB is as good as a slot as Trent Taylor is. They, they're not, they're not creators. They're not creators. When you, when you look at what Debo can do and what Ayuk did in college and hopefully you can do at the pro levels, they make stuff happen after the catch. Kendrick Bourne might run forward and get you a couple extra yards. He'll fight for some yardage. Dante Pettis doesn't seem to like contact. So I'm not sure he can, he can make a ton of moves after the catch. And Trent Taylor is just like, Good slot, good slot wide receiver, but he's just, yeah, he's just a little guy. I know he's feisty. I know he likes to scrap it up with people, but he's not going to – I don't think he's fast enough to make to make guys miss in the open field. So hopefully some guys like Sanu, who is crafty, not super fast, but very, very crafty once the ball's in his hand, you know, just get them in space and let them do their thing because that seems to be what Jimmy Garoppolo likes to do. He doesn't like to put it in tight windows. He likes to just get it to guys that can that move in space. Kittle loves on a Kittle because you know what Kittle can do after the catch, and yeah. I think that's that's it. that's Jimmy Garoppolo's comfort level. So hopefully, hopefully Sanu does something for him because God damn, they need something out of the wide receiver position. <laughs> yeah, hopefully Sanu can can provide a spark, get some separation, allow George Kittle to operate in the middle. I think having a guy like Sanu can f- open up the middle a little mm-hmm. bit more where Jimmy likes to operate. Um, to answer uh, Nick's question here, over five, over under five, I'm going to go with over and six Ooh. for Ayuk, and I think Ayuk has a pretty big day as a rookie. I'm, um, smash, I'm smashing the under there. I'm saying five, and I'm saying there's going to be like two of them with five. Like I think we see Trent Taylor get some get some five catches, and I think we see Ayuk get five catches, but I'm taking the under there, and I like how you, it rolled right into Carter's question of how prominent do you think Ayuk will be on Sunday? You think he's going to be a, a monster guy, right? Yeah, he's yeah he, he's a home run hitter. I think we're gonna see we're gonna see something out of Ayuk. That's for sure. You know, with with Ceedee Lamb playing pretty well, Jerry Judy looked good, Henry Ruggs looked okay in his in his stint. The Niners need to see something out of their first round pick, and you know, this is a, again a time to see that. With we just talked to Scott, the, the corners aren't very good in New, uh-huh. in New York. Hopefully, they can exploit that, and we should see something big out of Ayuk. So hopefully, Jimmy gets bright. This offense gets going, um, but, you know, we're running really long. Let's get to our uh, yeah. three keys of the game. So I'm going to start with yours, 
Go ahead, Matt. What are your three keys to the game? My number one key to the game is make Sam Darnold see ghosts. I'm sure you all remember the Monday Night Football game where they had him mic'd up and he just outright said, I'm seeing ghosts out there. And it became a giant thing. And people were like, why are people, why are players mic'd up? Why are you letting ESPN broadcast this? Why are they doing this to him? But it's it's, it's just a thing. And, and with Adam Gase's offense, you have to keep Sam Darnold confused. And with the injuries you have on defense, that is going to start up front. That's going to start with Bosa beating Becton. It's going to start with D Ford. If he plays just be, be productive, do something. <laughs> do, don't just go out there and not do anything every down. Otherwise get the hell off the field and let Kerry Hyder do his thing. Like Kerry Hyder eat. Um, I think we see a lot from Javon Kinlaw. We heard that, you know, it's all new offensive linemen, four new offensive linemen in New York. And they really, really, really have to take advantage of that. Keep, keep Sam Darnold uncomfortable, make him force throws and take advantage of poor decisions that he seems to make. Make Sam Darnold see Casper. That's what I need to do. <laughs> uh, yeah, to piggyback off that, I think this is a five-six sack game for the Niners. I think Kinlaw gets his first. Ar- Armstead reappears. Bosa ends up with two and just a monster day. Um, yeah, I absolutely agree with the the Kinlaw and 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 um, Bosa take there that just popped up on the screen. Um, sorry, guys, my graphics today. I was super busy, but. Uh, one of my keys to the game is Jimmy's field vision. That is the first one. After watching the All-22, there was a lot of concern with Jimmy either staying on his read too long or getting off it too quick um, before things were getting open. So hopefully he's, obviously he is studying the film. Obviously he's working to get better. Speaking to some folks, Jimmy Garoppolo seems to be a slow starter, you know, and reading some of the statistics. The first three weeks of it, Jimmy Garoppolo's career as a 49er, you know, week one versus Minnesota, slow start. Week one versus... Um, Tampa Bay last year, slow mm-hmm. start. And then this year, a slow start. Maybe he just is a slow starter and things need to work out for him. Although last year he had his wide receivers this year. he So there's that. And then a healthy offensive yeah. line last year versus this one. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there's some, there's some factors there. But I think Jimmy Garoppolo can operate with this offense versus that defense who has issues. Um, now their safety play is pretty good, but their linebackers, as we talked about with Scott, aren't very good. So that's the concern, and I think Jimmy Garoppolo can exploit that middle of the field with George Kittle, um, Raheem Mostert, you know, get get Pettis over the middle, get Trent Taylor operating there, and then, of course, Brandon Ayuk, if they need to go do something up down the field, they can probably do that as well. So I, I would expect Jimmy Garoppolo just to see the field a little bit better this week. See the underneath, receive, underneath defender, please, 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 please. please. But there's no Don't linebackers there, so he should be fine. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. Um, my second key to the game. Uh, very simple, and I think we all know. Okay, we're gonna go that one. Okay, uh, my second moderate wide receiver production. So, so we were talking about Jimmy Garoppolo needs to see the field a little better, uh, and I think it's going to come down to these guys. Just, I'm not saying huge. Like I said, I think it's. If I think five catches is going to lead the wide receiver group. Maybe two of them have it. I, I, they don't need to put up 300 yards from the wide receivers. I'm talking. Give me 150 yards. Give me one touchdown, maybe two. Give me a bunch of first downs. Just move the ball through the wide receivers because they were just so non-existent in week one. Mm-hmm. Four catches for, what, 41 yards? That's paltry. That's paltry. I was looking back at 2016 stats today because I hate myself, and I, I just want to – I'm a glutton for punishment. I looked back at the 49ers, and I looked at the wide receiver core they were trying out there, like Jeremy Curley and Quentin Patton and and Ty, Ty Streeter, and it's about. just – yeah, I know, right? 49ers legends. And it, it's just, you, you look back and that that's, that's, I got that feeling. I got that feeling all over again. Week one was just, it's this, 
this wide receiver core that can't do it. And they spent so much draft capital on these guys and they've been hurt and they're not, they're not being producing. So just moderate, moderate wide receiver production. Just give me one touchdown guys, one touchdown in 150 yards. That's all I need out of you. That's all I need. <laughs> I'm absolutely there with you. We have to get some production on these wide receivers and do so this week and next week. It has to happen. Um, my second key to the game, better tackling. The tackling in last week's game was shaky. There was a lot of missed tackles. I'm pointing directly at you, Quan Alexander. Um, we got to clean up the tackling. Now, granted, there is no player on the Jets like Kyler Murray or DeAndre mm-hmm. Hopkins. Mm-hmm. However, Frank Gore doesn't go down easily. He's Even in an advanced age, he doesn't go down easily. Jameson Crowder, if he is playing, he's a shifty guy. You got to get him down to the ground. Um, and then even Sam Darnold in the pocket, he can move a little bit. So just... Mm-hmm. Secure these tackles. No more missed tackles. Better angles. There was a lot of bad angles taken against the Cardinals, um, and the poor tackling led to some miscues on defense. And yep. uh, to add on that, communication. We talked about communication at the end of the game yesterday uh, on Sunday, and Robert Sala discussed it. There was just a miscommunication, that, which blows my mind. There's no crowd. There's no crowd. There's no. There's nobody in the stands. How do you miss the call? Um, that that kind of. That blew my mind there. Um, but, yeah, better tackling, better communication on the defensive end, and I think the Niners will be just fine. And then your final key to the game for victory. Flawless special teams. And I don't I mean this doesn't mean that Robbie Gold has to go out and kick, like, three 80-yard field goals and Mitch Wisniewski needs to down him at the one on every single punt. Just don't fuck it away, man. Like, don't don't give up a block punt. Going back and watching that play over and over again, it's an unbelievable call by the Arizona special teams coach. It's an unbelievable call. Dante Johnson had, he was, he was twisted into a pretzel. He had no shot at that. It, it was, it was six of one, half a dozen the other. He had no, he had no chance. Just don't fucking do it again. Don't do that again. Don't, don't, don't give up a big play. That's, that's going to kill you because you know, it's just, that's not something that they can deal with. And you know, man, I don't, I don't know. Just, just, just don't fuck it away. <laughs> That's it. Just, just no turnovers, no muff you, you punts. You talking about kickers, man. That's... I know. No, no, no turnovers, no muff punts, no block kicks, no any of that. Just, just, just win, dominate. baby. Just, just dominate. Like I'm pulling out the Al Davis. Just win, baby, because that's how I feel about it right now. Yeah. And my final key to the giving key to the game, Akella Witherspoon. Um, I know I should talk about the secondary in general, but Akella Witherspoon. This is your shot. This is this is the shot here. Like, take advantage of it fully. Um, I know he played four snaps and ended up somehow with a concussion, uh, which is crazy to me, but things happen. You never mm-hmm. know. Um, he's got to play. He's got to show up. He's got to lock down whoever it is he's covering. Chris Hogan doesn't scare me. The wide receiver room for the Jets is, I don't even know who these people are. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, let me pull it up. Uh, well, Brashard Perriman, Chris Hogan, Braxton Berrios, like none of these guys do anything for me. Brashard Perriman is a guy who, who was successful in Tampa, but yeah, I don't. It's I don't a former first, former first round pick that flamed out because he couldn't do anything other than run really yeah. fast in Baltimore, mm-hmm. and then he just happened to get underneath a couple of uh, touchdown passes from from James Winston because they were throwing uh, they were throwing at Chris Godwin and. Mike Evans and Cameron Bray and OJ Howard. So Perriman was like the sixth option for them in the past game last year. So yeah, I mean, he's going to get his, but you know, whatever. doesn't scare me. No, I think the Niners should win by 14. They better win by 14. Um, 
they they got to show up and show out. This is this seems like a team that's angry on a mission, ready to go, get ready to get back on the win 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 column. Um, there's just there's nothing left really to talk about. They just got to get this one. Yeah, get this one, the next one, and the Eagles one. They have to start yep. season three and one. Yep. And then you know you get into the second quarter of the season. You know then it starts to get a little bit more serious, and hopefully by then guys are starting to get back and. We don't have any more crazy injuries and things get done. So, uh, you know, I said it on 95.7. Revenge tour is over. It's over. Enough of that. It's the new season. You're not, you're not chasing that title. You are trying to get the new title. So that's it. Um, just answer a couple questions here. Is <laughs> <laughs> the new playing or still up in the air? As of right now, I think he's going to play. What do you think? Yeah, I think he plays. I, I think his familiarity with Shanahan's system just automatically makes him a candidate to suit up their their lack of depth. They, they have not a whole lot left at the wide receiver position. They only suited up four last week, and Richie James won't be suiting up this week so because he went on IR. So the only four they would have to suit up is is Ayuk, Taylor, uh, Kendrick Bourne, and, and Dante mm-hmm. Pettis, and I think they need a fifth one, and I think that's going to be Muhammad Sanu. Uh, do you guys see a trade for wide receiver? I know we got Sanu, but that can't be it. Uh, trade, I don't think the Niners are going to make any moves right now. Debo is supposed to be back by week four versus yep. the Eagles. So as long as they have Debo back with Ayuk, Trent Taylor, Dante Pettis, and Mohamed Sanu, they will probably feel comfortable unless another injury happens. Um, yeah, I don't think they're going to make a panic move right now unless Debo's injury is more serious than what they're saying. Yo, unless I want to go get me Allen Robinson, and then we can talk. Yes. Go get free Allen Robinson. Hashtag free Allen Robinson. Go get that man. But, no, I don't I don't foresee the 49ers making a, a panic move right now. Uh, I think if if one of these games goes sideways, and it's very clear that it's because they don't have a pass catcher, maybe we see a move. But as of right now, I don't see it going because I do see them winning the next couple. 49ers run game needs to get going, which will have to pa- – ha- <laughs> help the passing game. It's past my bedtime at 10 p.m. here. Uh, yeah, no, that's that's a no-brainer, right? That's a no-brainer. Give yeah. the ball to Raheem Mostert, let him cook, and let him do his thing. Uh, I, I think out there. I, say, I think Jet McKinnon's going to be a big part of this game too. Uh, yeah. I'm really excited to see him in his second game at say San Francisco 49 He looked good the first game. He looked he real did. sharp. He did, and I started in my fantasy league, and everyone's like, what are you starting McKinnon for? Boom, touchdown. Suck it. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. Uh, uh, last Garland one before play? we out here. Will Ben Garland play? All signs point to Ben Garland playing. Yep. Uh, he practiced today, full participant. Mm-hmm. Yep. He practiced yesterday, full participant, and likely will practice tomorrow uh, before they head out to New York for the game. So, yeah, Ben Garland should play. Ayuk should be playing. George Kittle is up in the air, but I think he's going to play, although he probably shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they need him to win this game. However, if he's just out there as a decoy, sure, why not? But uh, they need to get this thing going. You know, it wasn't a great showing uh, on Sunday against the Cardinals. Get this this loss off of them. That's two straight losses if we go back to the Super Bowl. They want to get that off of them. The loss has to come off. So get back on the winning winning uh, ways for the 49ers. But that should do it. I'm Javi. That is Matt. Uh, go ahead and follow us on at JavierVague underscore. Follow Matt at... Matt Bar underscore and don't forget we gotta do our predictions here man we had our guy Scott Mason jump on yeah guy Scott Mason jumped on and we want to thank him again 
play like a jet podcast. Uh, you, you think we hate ourselves when we talk after losses. This guy talks jets seven days a week and he's a trooper with he's, he's very entertaining to listen to. So please give him a follow and listen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my pretty, so his prediction was 27 or 24 to 10, excuse me. I'm going to add a touchdown to that 31 to 10 49ers win by three touchdowns. They cover, they roll. Uh, yeah, I'm right there with you. I got him 37, 10 49ers <laughs> win big. This looks like the Cincinnati game. Just from the from the jump, it is over. Kyle is pissed. This team is pissed. Let's go. Disrespectful Kyle shows up, and we're ready to rock. Um, we'll continue the conversation on Twitter. Go ahead and, like I said, follow us at HobbyVague underscore and Matt Barr underscore. I will answer more questions tonight. I'm going to be up doing homework anyways. And uh, we will see you guys post-game for the 49ers. And then also check us out at PFN 365 for our, break, our breakdown show which is also available on uh, Pro Football Network at PFN 365. Until Sunday, everyone be safe out there. Go Niners. Peace. Beat the Jets. Under NASA's Artemis program, Dynetics and Lidos will develop and build a new human landing system, advancing economic opportunities and paving the way for a sustained lunar economy. Learn more at DyneticsHLS.com. Under NASA's Artemis program, Dynetics and Lidos will develop and build a new human landing system, advancing economic opportunities and paving the way for a sustained lunar economy. Learn more at DyneticsHLS.com.